0: I think people might actually go and see this film, hoping that it's gonna be good. This is the first ever like PSA I've had to give to the audience because I don't want people to be fooled. Do not go and see this film. What? It is really, really bad. It no is way. two hours and 45 minutes long, Whoa. and it is terribly written. The dialogue is atrocious. <laughs> This is good. You don't have to put this in, but if you want to, but this oh. is good because I preheated the mug. With the I water. saw, yeah, and I it works. Now it's piping hot. It's winter. You have to, yeah, yeah. And I can only get like a few sips in at a time, which is fine. Yeah. Um, in my, uh, I noticed this uh, trailer trend when I went to the cinema yesterday to see a film, and I saw the Wonka trailer for like what must be the tenth time now. Mm. But I noticed they had the um, from the studios that brought you Paddington. Mm. And Harry Potter. And I'm like, should I be excited that the studio that brought it? Uh, where does it end? I think it's just more... Commissioned in the same office as... Yeah, breathe the same air as... Yeah. It's like, Brad Pitt isn't in this movie, but he might watch it. Yeah, like, also, what? commissioned by the same studio that made Harry Potter 20 years ago. Yeah, ages ago. I think it's like more this, that you're sitting that. in the cinema, you're not really paying attention, and then you see the title. In Harry, Harry Potter, Potter text And Paddington, little, yeah. yeah. And people go, oh, I oh, love yeah, those love movies. It, yeah. So you f- have an emotional feeling. Yeah. Your brain releases a nice little emotional thing, and then they, your brain will connect that with the images they see in the trailer. But where does that end? Is it like, Marlon Brando is dead, but would probably like this movie? It is <laughs> 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 a stretch. What I'm finding a bit more irritating is, uh, I mean, it's just so transparent and cynical, is where, like... So obviously they're out, they're advertising Wonka on you know Instagram and TikTok and they're like yeah. <laughs> Warner Brothers is like, we're in our Wonka era. And I'm like, oh, it's so crazy. Trying to use TikTok slang to market your movie. There's nothing more. It's giving chocolate factory vibes. Yeah, <laughs> I know. This guy woke up and chose chocolate, you know? Yeah. I'm like, just stop. Just stop. We you are we know you're a brand. Stop trying to talk. Like I actually am kind of looking forward to it. I think we've given a Wonka. like one oh, no, yeah. pre, pre hate, but we're just sitting there. You're in for it. I'm yeah. open. Like I said, Paddington director, Chalamade, um, yeah. Channel made Christmas and Charming the studio of those that brought you Paddington and Harry Potter do you know what it's giving actually if it's giving anything to use that phrase it's giving Mary Poppins returns yeah so yeah. it could but be do you like it'll be mostly enjoyed and then forgotten it could be yeah. Mary Poppins returns although I think, I think, think yeah it has been charming at the time and then yeah. might get forgotten Wonka will probably spawn sequels though Sure. Yeah, I was gonna say at least two. It's like at Christmas, no one is gonna go. Let's watch the sequel to Mary Poppins. Mm, People are gonna watch Mary Poppins. Yeah. Yeah, Yes. That year it came out, people will go. Let's watch Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah. But not not for the rest of time. I don't think. Although, yeah, I think it gets. It's the kind of thing that at the Christmas season is probably put on BBC One at about. Oh, that's the thing. If it's already on, you might go. Oh yeah, yeah. That did well, it ha- th- literally happened last year. I went, oh, yeah. I went. Oh my god, yeah. I went to the cinema to see this. Yeah. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yes. was all right. Anyway, yeah. we'll talk- what else is on? Yeah. Uh, Meryl Streep also in that could have worked for the co-star countdown last week for Emily Blunt. No, two weeks ago, for Emily Blunt. Meryl is- Streep is in a scene mm. in um, *Mary Poppins Returns*. She's like the kooky witch lady. That's right, yeah. topsy turvy house. Yeah, that's yeah. absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That totally wow, just I came back to about me. Sorry, yes. it's calling back to a coast star countdown game from two weeks that ago, would have been which a, Emily Blunt was the cast member. That would have been a good castless countdown in a way. Ben Whishaw yes. and and. Other people, <laughs> <laughs> Lin Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, yeah, um, Meryl Streep would have thrown me actually. That's quite a good one. Yeah, Lin Manuel Miranda has really got his like brand of just being rolled out for the sing-songy, cozy Sing film, sing-song with a modern twist. Yeah, a with a hip-hop vibe. Yeah, don't you worry with a beat? The... <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're the streets <laughs> of London. <and> we're chimney <laughs> Sweets. So we're gonna rock this all is the cool to song. the streets of. Yeah. <laughs> for the teenager that didn't want to see the movie, but now there's something for that. For the teenager that didn't want to see the movie. Brought to you by that song from lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> yeah, it's like Lynn Manuel Miranda looked at this script and said, I like it. Yes. <laughs> Five stars from Lynn. 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 Lynn, you've got to stop making funny little songs about things. Maybe it's lin. like L Y N N, like he's Welsh. Lynn. lin, yeah, lin- Manuel Miranda. I thought, yeah. <laughs> like. Uh... Glyn. No, it's Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Glyn. <laughs> Glyn it's Manuel like six Miranda. L's in there. Glyn Manuel Miranda. We're going to see that new one with (laughs) Glyn Manuel Miranda. Very sorry for that one. I don't know where that went. I don't know Wimmer Miranda. I don't know where you went there. To a country that doesn't exist, basically, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Um, Welcome to episode 103. 103. 103, this is for... um, We're steaming on. Absolutely steaming on for for Pop Kitchen. 103, any 103? There's no 103s. No. 102 Dalmatians was a stretch last week. Yeah, 103rd... Hundred third precinct. That is like yeah, lots of precincts. Hundred third. Hey, hundred third. Yeah, I was part of the hundred third. The one o three. Yeah, my father was one o three. That's so funny. My father fought with the one o (laughs) three. (laughs) Yeah, I led you into battle. I was one o nine. He lost his legs, and then I found out somebody came back with his legs. (laughs) All that um, army speak. I never understand it, but the characters do. Yes, it it was the the trooper precinct eleven. I always like, yeah, well, precinct's place... But, but you mean like, you mean like, well, no, I know. Okay. Hang no, on. Let me you know. see, No, no. Let, okay. So when I was like, so I watched Band of Brothers when I was very young. Loved mm. it. And then I read the book and I remember at the beginning of the book, it says something like 12 men to a squad. Oh, nice. That's good. Three Ooh. squads to a platoon. Oh, see, this three, p- is what I three platoons to a battalion, like four battalions to a regiment and then like three regiments to a company. And then like five companies to a division. I just see like the zooming out yeah. of an army. Yeah. And, what you, and Banner Brothers, of course, was about easy company. No, no. I think companies before Regiment, but either way, that was about easy company, which was part of the 101st Airborne Division. Right. That was great. It, that's great. So no, that's it. Yeah. yeah, that was great. That was giving real like um, uh, Boomer Dad World War Two obsessive energy. But I, I loved, loved, it. It. I loved <laughs> it. And, and, on <laughs> and let me go get but you later. some of my files. Oh, oh, you love. <laughs> where are you going? <laughs> We've got an entire four-hour documentary on this exact subject.
1: Yes, that's every um, Ken Burns thing. Did
0: you see they've re- released a trailer for a new one? Masters a- of the Air. Masters of the Air. I've also seen the it. same um, with uh, Austin Butler in there. Yes. But from the, again, a Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg yes. thing. Um, I, do, I haven't seen there. the trailer, but I know about it because Tom Hanks basically came off of filming Elvis and said to Austin Butler, he was like, you need a new role immediately. Otherwise, you're going to like sink into the abyss with Elvis. It's going to like drag you down. You sure. need to sink your teeth into something completely different. How about this thing I'm making? Go, Yeah. <laughs> would you like this role? Go and do that. <laughs> yeah. um, I love Band of Brothers. I still think it's amazing. I'd yeah, love it's to rewatch it. I should really rewatch it. It's absolute, re-watch timeless. It. It's fantastic. It once and the Pacific, I watched two episodes of and thought, hmm. I think I finished The Pacific, but I don't remember it as much as I do Band of Brothers. It just doesn't have the same. It just wasn't as good. Yeah. I, I just the fact is it wasn't it's as fine. good. Anyway, well, this is the 103rd um, f- episode of Pop Kitchen. Today, talking about two big films. Mm-hmm. We're talking about The Hunger Games' Can I get this right, James? A Ballad of What and What? Songbirds and Snakes. Right, okay. Yeah. Uh, and Napoleon. 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 That is as French as the entire film ever yes, sounded. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and of course, there's also a bonus this week. I am reviewing the Nicolas Cage uh, pseudo sci-fi black comedy dream scenario, mm-hmm. which has been out a little bit, but... It, I'm reviewing that in the bonus. If, you, if, you, if you've seen that want to hear about it, head to that. And in that bonus episode, I will also give my thoughts on Anatomy of a Fool, which we reviewed as a bonus during yep. our 100th episode. It yes. was a huge film at the moment, won the cam, uh, the Palm Door at the Cannes Film Festival. So if you want to hear us talk about that, then head to the bonus later this week. But for now, we will continue with The Hungry Games and Napesolian. We're going in. I feel like... Um... Last week, we brought the heat with tons of reviews. We're really sorry. And I really yeah. don't want to be that podcast, but George... Oh, no. Hunger Games, Ballad of whatever. You know, so just, just out the gate, there are films that I've reviewed that are bad and maybe worse than this, but I feel like we did know they were bad, and I almost feel like a lot of people had made up their mind if they were going to see them or not. For example, the Marvels last week. I feel like a lot of people knew going in it probably wasn't going to be good, mm-hmm. and they made a decision, I'm not interested, I'm not going to see it. I actually kind of thought... And I think a lot of people, because some people have emailed in and saying, oh yeah, like Hunger Games, give it a go. Like, you know, there's good source material there. The book's really good. I think people might actually go and see this film, hoping that it's going to be good. This is the first ever like PSA I've had to give to the audience because I don't want people to be fooled. Do not go and see this film. What? It is really, really bad. It is two hours and 45 minutes long. Whoa. And it is terribly written. The dialogue is atrocious. And it's the first time I'm like, I know it's too late because this will come out after the opening weekend, but like, just do not bother. You're actually saying don't go see it. George, it was so, so bad. Uh, Within 10 minutes, me and Talia, first of all, like Friday, uh, Saturday night screening, fairly, fairly busy crowd. And the film never got the audience engaged. And within 10 minutes... I was like, oh my God, this is a bad movie. This yeah. is a bad, I mean, me and realizing we were like, a lot of the audience were laughing at the dialogue. Oh, yeah. I'm going to begin, sorry my I just say, my I, stuff. When, when you say, like, I had the exact same thing with Five Nights at Freddy's, where 10 minutes in, you go, yeah. oh, no, oh no, this is a bad one. Yeah. This is, like, bad things are happening. Can it, it can course. take you 10 minutes, yeah. especially, and I, I just going in, I was kind of like, yes, I, I watched Hunger Games 1 with, within, like, within the last year, and I, I do value that story, and I think mm-hmm. it had, at the time when the Hunger Games was out, did have a big cultural impact. There are a lot of scenes yeah, in that that I think are really... A real mainstay of pop culture, like the the scene when everyone like vo- the volunteers as tribute inverted commas and the, the reaping and, and all of it. I Catching those... Fire, great as well. Totally, and I think you know it did run out of steam, and the, 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 I don't think the the material ever really got to graduate from the Hunger Games and sustain itself, right? And then you get this, you get this secret, sequ- sorry, this prequel now that's come out. Um, many years after the second Mockingjay film. This is set... Uh, it starts originally, like, in uh, the opening scene is the rebellion before the sort of new structure of Pan Am is created, and then we pick up with a young Coriolanus Snow, who is the president in the first Hunger, fil- Hunger Games films, at the 10th annual Hunger Games. I thought it was the first, but actually it's the, it's the 10th. Okay, so they've already done 10. They've already done 10, and sort of, you know, the capital is kind of being rebuilt, in a sense. There's cranes, they're sort of like, you know implementing this new structure of the society i still don't really understand and again i've not read a page of the books which is my fault but from the having seen most of the films i still don't really understand like the structure of all of the districts and why it works this way i see the inequality and i understand the dynamic of wealth and like the further you go out it's like it's harder and it's you're more poor but i don't really understand like the bare bones of how this whole revolution works. Anyway, we pick up with a young Coriolanus Snow, who lives with his sister and his grandma. And he has been basically put in this um, in this elite uh, group of young adults who are basically going to be given a tribute who's been volunteered for the Hunger Games. And their job is to essentially sponsor them, nurture them, and essentially coach them to winning. And the whoever gets to win is going to basically be graduated through this like elite phrase run by Viola Davis and Peter Dinklage to get them into this like higher echelon of society, and it's given lots of success. And they're basically like these young people oh, with lots of power and influence, very much like Oxbridge, you know, graduation yeah. vibes. But this is where, where you'd work into. And um, the plot goes from there. Carolina Slow is given um, is allocated a character called Lucy Gray, played by Rachel Ziegler in District Twelve. We know someone called Lucy Gray. Yeah, Lucy Gray. Yeah, we do know someone called Lucy yeah. Gray. And, um, okay, so... <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> that, no, no, that, that's all. Uh, I was, like, trying to get in my head. That's basically the plot, and it goes okay. on to do The Hunger Games, and it goes on to have an entire third act. Okay, where do I begin? Um, dialogue is, is really, really bad. Siren's on our end. Laughable, laughable dialogue. Rachel Ziegler, who I've actually realised I've not seen in anything, but I know she was very good in West Side Story. West Side she Side was Story. Very good. yeah. Um... She's completely out of place in this film. She plays a character in District 12 with a southern accent who talks like this. I'm a southern bear and I like to play my guitar and boy, do I love to sing. Oh, wow. And she's dressed in a Disney princess dress. Yes. And it feels completely out of place in The Hunger Games. Her dialogue is so bad. I've never disliked a protagonist in a studio film so quickly than I have... Rachel Ziegler's character in The Hunger Games. So is that on her, on her performance, or is that the the, the construction around her that she's been dropped into? A mixture. I don't think her performance is particularly well-placed within this world, and I also don't think the design elements and the decisions for that character work in The Hunger Games. So during the reaping, she is selected, Mm. and... It's the most cringeworthy thing of like, you've got this really iconic reaping thing where people are selected Mm. through. And it's just so overly dramatic where she collapses to the floor and looks to the camera and goes, you can't take my... And it like goes into a song. A song? And I'm just like, stop singing. Stop singing, it's horrible. It felt like I was being sung at. It was so, so bad. I never believed the relationship dynamic between Coriolana Snow and this. They have this like... we we need to like be together to get through this and there's this like slightly sexual dynamic but not really, is it false? Sorry, isn't that also a bit like the first Hunger Games where it's like we need to pretend to be in a relationship to sort of... There's loads of similar characters in this. No, 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 you're completely right. So Peter Dinklage, who I actually think is is really good in this, I love him in everything, he plays basically the same character that Woody Harrison plays Mm. in the first one, a jaded alcoholic who's trying to use alcohol to mourn the memories of their previous interactions with the Hunger Games, (laughs) who's very much within the system but is very cynical and trying to use political position to like ultimately mm. kill hunger games you've got viola davis who bless her i know is good but is yeah. doing nothing interesting in this film that i think the whole idea they've gone if we have nothing to say let's make every character look and sound really kooky mm. and it'll imply a level of depth that just isn't there oh, wow. you've also got jason schwartzman who's playing the exact same character that stanley tucci played li- in the 75th hunger games so it literally, is, playing, is the same character. So they've gone, they gone... You're not, you're not joking. That he, no, 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 no. I thought that. He looks like a younger version, right? No, no, no. no. This is set 70 years before that. It literally can't be. So they, oh God, Stanley yeah. Tucci was this eccentric Graham Norton. Yeah. Like, oh, my God, the pizzazz and yeah. this. And look at District 2. Look yeah. at that dress. And I kind of got it. It's like, that really works for that. And they've gone, right, we need to have another like media-fronted presenter to do the same job. And it's just essentially the same character. I'm like, is that all... You've just done the same thing. But it's Ta- not the same character. Talia that's thought that fun. was yeah. Stanley Tucci and was confused. That's like, what no, I thought. That's yeah, not that. Stanley Tucci. That's Jason Schwartzman. This is set 60 years before the events of the 74th Hunger Games. So yeah. therefore, it cannot be oh, wow. that same character. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he's doing the exact same thing. A little bit funny. He does some like magic tricks where he flips a coin and it disappears. It's the, it's the same thing. Oh, also, the function of the Hunger Games being like way less built up and less budget is it takes place in this almost like big concrete cathedral atrium. And it's really boring. It's a, just oh, wow. a big room. And they it gets blown up like before the Hunger Games because rebels blow it up for some reason. And that adds a bunch of concrete and like rubble. And the only reason they did that is so that some people can hide for seemingly ages during the Hunger Games. Like, to, yeah. in terms of to progress the plot. But otherwise, it's a really boring, uninteresting space like to a do a battle royale. match. Yeah, but more yeah. boring than that. Wow. But they're always, like, hiding under the rubble. And there's always one person who's, like, hiding up on the thing who gets, like, you know, killed in a really boring way eventually. I've never wanted to see a main character get brutally murdered <laughs> in a film wow. so much. She was... I, 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 no disrespect to Rachel Ziegler. A lot of it goes down to like studio decisions and directions, but she was so, so poorly judged in and this film. The violence when people get killed—I assume it's a bit like the actual Hunger Games, but it's very tame and kind of. Close. It was very tame. It's shot in a really wide-angle lens. All of the action, which is kind of interesting, but unfortunately, when you reveal so much of your action going on in the foreground, background, and midground, it reveals the fakeness of the brutality of yeah. actual stage fighting. And it felt a lot like when you used to see Captain Jack Sparrow fighting and he was sort of like ducking yeah. and weaving and <laughs> like, a, like a pitchfork goes, whoa, and he's like, whoa. <laughs> I just, it didn't, didn't work for me. Uh, structurally, after The Hunger Games ends, so uh, by the way, I got 45 minutes of the film. I really thought I was an hour and a half in oh and no. I didn't and I had two hours left. The Hunger Games finishes halfway through this movie. You then have an entire other third act that is just... Is that the ballads of the songbirds and the snakes? Is that the bit? No, Sorry. it's Carry it's on. it follows on from the story, and I'm just like, what are we doing here? Where are we going? Who? Why is this dynamic happening? What am I? What am I still doing in this cinema? What am I doing with this story? I don't like I don't like Coriolanus. Slow. He's really like not, not friendly, not redeemable. I don't want him to win. He's ultimately a bad guy who I know goes on to be like a very yeah. bad man. So if there is something like redeemable about him now, I'm not exactly going to hold on for it. I don't like Rachel Ziegler. I don't believe in their dynamic. I don't like his friend. And then you've given me a whole extra hour after The Hunger Games, which wasn't very compelling. And I'm just like, why am I still doing this film? And the di- people were laughing at the dialogue. Oh, I am repeating really? myself. People were laughing in the cinema. Me and Talia were cackling. Wow. I said to Talia, they've put a pick me girl in The Hunger Games universe. Huh. And I just... It was so, so bad and such a waste of time. I've not been very articulate about this, but no, I just no, cannot I mean... stress enough how disappointed I was with it. I really was... Re- and I wish I'd seen the fourth Hunger Games film now so I could confirm that this is the worst Hunger Games film. Wow. But I haven't seen the fourth one, which I know is really bad. I mean, fair enough. We basically... We wanted to go see it because... Ooh. I think we were on the fence. As you said, I if, if, if I had gone to see it, I would have been like you, open-minded, ready to... See this franchise reborn. We had when we mentioned that this film was coming out at the beginning of the year. Someone commented and said the book because I think Susan Collins wrote this is based off another book, which it gives sorry like hashed over to a screenwriter energy, right? But it's actually written by so apparently the book that this is based on was was very good. Not just the whole series, but this individual book. And you know, someone quite rightly commented on our uh, last week's episode and said. We review lots of semi shitty Marvel stuff. Yeah. Can you go and review the Hunger Games for us girlies? You know what? You're absolutely right. And it is it is that you wanted to like it. It is just I sad genuinely when- did I genuinely would have I, I really thought I, it would go, yeah. It's like maybe not as good as Hunger Games one or two, but it's better than. Mm-hmm. It's like a decent film, enjoyable. I feel a bit sorry for Rachel Ziegler because I feel like even before this film came out, for some reason the internet just decided they didn't like. I know her, she made a couple of like comments about Snow White, which was already getting hate because it was. Well, just seen as like couple a couple of a couple of reasons yeah. to do with like train of dwarves in in yeah. like other things on the internet where people aren't liking her, which is just yeah. different. But yeah, I cannot say that. This film did her any favors? Characters, c- c- crin- cringing. I was cringing oh, for God. for like for her, for for her co-stars, for the people involved. I'm like ah, I, and I just I really cannot understand how a film that poor is be, is is allowed to be two hours and forty five minutes. Wow. They, there must be some deluded people who think yeah we're telling a really important story that needs this much time. It also has this thing which I found really depressing because I could tell it was done in post, was the film opens with a black screen, part one, the something, and I completely forgot about it. And then an hour later it goes, part two. And I'm like, oh my God, (laughs) how many parts are there? And then The Hunger Games finishes and it's part three. And I go, fucking hell, this is so clearly done to chapter it after the fact because they realise they can't link these three very separate yeah. parts of the film and they're trying to communicate to the audience that no it's actually a really intentional pacing decision oh it would, it didn't it just really really irritated me and I was so bored out of my life so this is interesting so that's a 2 hour 40 movie Yeah. 2 hour 45 yeah. Napoleon is 2 hour 40 and Anatomy of a Fall which I mentioned before we'll talk about the bonus is two also 2 hours no two, that's 2 hours 2 hours 40, 40. yeah and I feel like you've got three very different films there. So if you have seen The Hunger Games, let me get this right The Ballad of the Songbirds, Songbirds and, and Snakes, just rolls off the tongue. How are we going to put that in our title? Oh, yeah, there's a It's episode. really right. We're going to have to the be the Ballads of, of SNS. The Ballads of SNS, literally. <laughs> um, if you've seen it and disagree with James or just let us know your thoughts, please email them into hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Be interesting to get other people's take on this returning franchise. But that is James very James's very scabrous review. And just please, like, if you haven't seen it and someone in your friendship group, which is, like, will happen, will be like, oh, why don't we see the new Hunger Games? Please just say, no, no. it's really long and it's really boring. And like, just, just don't, don't, don't pay money. Don't waste your time. I'm full. i Because I think people will be like, if someone says, do you want to see the Marvels? You go, nah, it doesn't look good. People might be, I was hoodwinked yeah. by my girlfriend. We were going to see Saltburn. And then Tanya last minute goes, why don't we see the new Hunger Games? And I go, yeah, fine, whatever. Saltburn review coming next week, by the way. Okay. That was The Hunger Games fine. Such a waste of my time. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> I feel so analogue sometimes next to you. Yeah. My thoughts are in the cloud. Yeah. yeah. So, George, we went to go and see Napoleon this week. We did. Uh, We went to a lovely uh, screening in Leicester Square. The the IMAX. IMAX Same place we saw The Flash. Mm -hmm. Good screen. Good screen. Big Big screen. screen. Saw a fan of the show when we were there. Hello, Finn. Finn. If you're listening. Thanks for saying hi to us. Um, George, Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott, tells Mm. the story of... Napoleon Bonaparte, taking place from the 1780s into the 1820s or 30s, Mm -hmm. sort of like a 50-year period. And it's directed by Ridley Scott. It stars Joaquin Phoenix and Vanessa Kirby and basically tells the story of Napoleon from his early days, the sort of documents some of the battles that he he had, he he captained in his life, showing him at the peak of his powers and ultimately where Napoleon ends up at the end of the film. Mm Well so I agree. just on that I mm. just to say it is really just the context of Napoleon as a film yeah. is that you had a 1927 film made about it silent era and then Stanley Kubrick famously abandoned a project to make it he really he researched it and there are sketches that Stanley Kubrick did meticulous detail sketches about milita- military militaria and mm. fi- like costumes about how to pull this off but he could never really do it and it's this like lost kubrick project. and now Ridley Scott you know industry heavyweight has, br- has brought it to the to the screen um and you're right picks up post-revolution France to, you know... A period of history, by the way, very, very... I'm very, very thin on. Yeah. My knowledge of Napoleon as a figure is very limited. I did say this to Does you when we came yes. out. I said my knowledge no, of the Battle of Waterloo is basically entirely dependent on Abba. And I said Blackadder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Blackadder as <laughs> well. Yeah. So... Napoleon, so- Also, sorry, that opens with the execution of Marie Antoinette Antoinette. in the most French Revolution style. Very gray, very like the the makeup But immediately I was like, that's filmed at Somerset House. (laughs) Just (laughs) immediately I was like, and a lot of this is filmed in Malta as well. I could just tell straight away. You can tell from the balconies. Mm. Anyway, so Napoleon, directed by Ridley Scott. So here's the thing. Napoleon, uh, uh, it's it's an interesting one. I kind of have, my thoughts about the film are kind of exactly how I had going into it. Mm what works is that this is absolutely ridley scott in full gladiator mode yeah big pop, b- bombastic historical epic the film is kind of elevated and held into place by these tentpole battle sequences totally. that are incredibly well executed cinematic undeniably epic really feels like old school filmmaking totally. you're seeing cannon fire and cavalry we were talking about it afterwards yeah the wrangling—I've never seen of, of all these horses. I haven't People, seen horses. a full cavalry, non-CGI cavalry yeah. charge in such a long time. You totally time. feel that it's really like Lord there of the well. Rings. It's like the last time Gen- I saw a good, really breathtaking battle scene. Uh, really well executed, and like it's it really well executed. The thing is with the film though is that, and at two hours forty, in between those temple action sequences, you have a lot of, frankly. Crib street, crib sheet history. Yeah. okay. If you go into this expecting a history lesson, um, you will be disappointed. No, you have the film feels very much like Ridley Scott f- playing the hits of Napoleon's life, flicking through his biography. It's like, oh, Josephine, uh, at Austerlitz, Waterloo, Russia. Yeah, and if you have, I was thinking about this when I talked about Oppenheimer, just to compare it to another long, mm-hmm. weighty historical biopic we've had this year which felt like Christopher Nolan really like reading through every single bit of detail of, 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 the, of the minutiae of, of Oppenheimer's life like in this dense biography. Mm. This very much feels like Rudy really Scott flipping through the pages of a Napoleon biography going, yep, yep, That yep, one. Battle, yep, yep. Josephine, yep, yep. This bit, yep, yep. And um, the thing is about Ridley really Scott is that he's incredibly forthright and, which is great, and he's incredibly direct. This film was shot in 61 days, which is incredibly quick for a film of this size. That ins- that's insane. Yeah. Vanessa Kirby has said it should have taken 120, but they just raced her at 61. Wow. He, he, he He moves at an incredible pace. But I think actually sometimes that comes through in the film. I've noticed this in a couple of Ridley Scott projects recently. I, he has this impatience with his own subject to almost deliver the film scenes are very it's two hours 40 and scenes are very brief i'd say on the whole very quick, they're yeah. really really like i said he's flipping through it apart from the tentpole battle scene except which yeah long, which are long 15, which are long, yeah weeks. exactly um and the, the the kind of feeling i get is despite really scott being a heavyweight and being in, in his 80s now there's something slightly juvenile in its execution in that it feels like a student writing an essay about napoleon Spending lots of time on the exciting battles, and then going, oh yeah, and also France was in chaos, and also he had a wife called Josephine, and then he went to Austerlitz and he had a really big battle, and then he went back, and, and then the he went baby to Russia, and, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and then he nearly died; it was so cold, but he yeah. made it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so, and because of that as well, the film has a, a, a really strange tone visually. Mm. It presents itself as big, weighty historical epic. But in terms of its script, it has this quite bizarre, often like flirting with thick of it, Veep style (laughs) humor. At times I thought this is like an Adam McKay movie, you know, yeah, Adam McKay is it. And the kind of dialogue that's come off, I thought this is really at odds with what I'm being shown and what I'm being told. It just Mm. kind of, it's really jarring. There's a line where uh, Napoleon says to like the British ambassador, he says something like, you think you're so clever because you have boats. And I, and I went to laugh, and then I thought, no, hang on no, a minute, no, this, this, is isn't, this isn't meant to be funny. The number of times I was like, what am I watching here? Yeah. What yeah. am I watching what here? I, watching? And I, t- I don't think I ever really figured it out. And I think within the first hour, because we're in a big screening and people yeah. are laughing at the moment, so I can't tell. Is that meant to be funny, yes. or is it just not landing? And I don't think I figured it out if Ridley Scott was going for humor there. I think it's like they Ridley Scott got excited by the idea of sending up historical figures and like making them look a little bit cartoonish, which yeah. I am okay with. I'm mm. actually that's really enjoyable. Give me that. But but at the same time, like I said, visually, aesthetically, it's presenting itself as a very dour, very like aggressive mm. military biopic. Um, I think Whacking Phoenix. Is just entertaining himself with this performance. Yeah. I think he looked at the script and said, "Not a lot here for me to go on. Lots I'm just going to and... I'm just going to take what I can." Napoleon, as an individual as a man, remained a mystery, really, to me. I, agree. I never came away thinking, "Oh, what a what what an interesting." I never got inside of that character. And that a very shallow attempt at the end with the blurb on the screen to like give you a sense of who he was. I thought, I guess, yeah, he, yeah. I, fe- I, fe- you know, he plays Napoleon with all the things you'd expect he's tyrannical he's cold he's petulant yeah. he's childish he's yes cringe inducing sometimes he's all the things that i kind of even for someone like me who knows nothing about napoleon the stuff I knew, like yeah, brilliant military strategist. Yeah, yeah it was a bit of a tyrant. Yeah, I get it was a bit short. Yeah, like I got all <laughs> they that. They really covered that. Right? <laughs> no, yeah. they just made him sort of look a bit yeah. here and there. Um, so you got Joaquin sort of doing his own thing. If you're if you're going into this thinking, oh, I want a, a great Joaquin performance post Joker, like what he's got next, it's fine. But yeah. like um, Vanessa Kirby as well, like doing what she can with Josephine, yeah. absolutely fine. Um, but I think that <sighs> the whole film, I think, has this kind of strange swagger to it. It's a slight cockiness. And like I said, when Ridley Scott's this very forthright individual, you hear him in interviews, he will call a spade a spade and he will like speak his mind. And the whole film has this kind of quite masculine swagger, boyishness. Like like Napoleon walking up the steps to go and claim the throne. Literally like that. But um, unlike Napoleon the man, who had more under clearly had more to him, Napoleon the film doesn't really have more than that. Mm. And I to be frank, during sitting through some of the scenes, the in-betweeny bits, which there are a lot of because this film is two hours 40, I did get a bit bored, a little bit bored, frankly. Same. I kind of thought, yep, yep, and the Josephine thing felt nothing, yep, cool, cool, cool. And also, things would happen, really big historical detail. As you say, this covers mm. like a 30, 40-year period. I'm thinking, wow, this sounds like a really interesting time in France. I'm looking forward to wikipedia all of this mm. when I get home in, in absence of what I'm being presented here. Yeah and sorry, I will get to what you think about it, but just, it reminded me watching it that I kind of think, despite how energetic and exciting some of the sequences are, this kind of whole project feels a bit out of date in trying to capture an entire person's life in one film, you know, and a huge historical figure, let's do it from beginning to end. Get really Scott to do it. Get really Scott to do it. And it feels a little bit outdated because I think, well, actually, I would be happy to watch four hours of this, mm. five hours, six hours of this it's on a miniseries. series where it really gets into the detail. But as it is, it's a it's a surface-level York notes, Cliff Notes mm. overview of, of his life. It's almost quite... Um, I was almost quite taken aback by the fact that f- big films rarely get that many high-budget battle scenes. Yeah. This had three. I think really at least... Big. Hang on, Austerlitz, Waterloo... T- Toulon. L- Toulon. Toulon um, and then interspersed with sort of minor ones, a bit yeah. of Russia. Do you know what I mean? Usually a film can't really do, especially in 60 days, can't really do like multiple of those. And it has three and you're like, I think what what I said to you coming out of it was, you know, the shots from the battle scenes genuinely breathtaking to see. Yeah. Really well done, fantastically executed. I also quite enjoyed the spectacle of uh, the political situation in France unraveling and also being mm. improvised as it went along. Like, that person's talking, hang on, let's execute yeah. them. Oh, he's running away, he shot himself in the head. This person's, we're not among yeah. monarchy. This person's now an emperor. There was something there in seeing that frantic energy yeah. co- co- coming there. And the battle scenes are amazing. And then just, yeah, in between it the number of scenes I'm watching in between those moments, and I'm going, that just didn't work, and I can't quite figure out why yet, but on to the next one, next quick scene. That scene also didn't quite land for me. Mm -hmm. Here we are, the next one, battle scene. And unfortunately, by the time you get to Waterloo, I've done, I pretty much know exactly, I've I've got everything I think the film is going to give me. And unfortunately, with the Battle of Waterloo, I don't think there are enough stakes in the battle for me to really be on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. To have a big thing like that where you've been sitting with someone for two hours and a bit, I'm yeah. like, wh- I'm not wondering, like, who's going to win? Because we all know. Because we all know. I don't want wonder, like, what's going to happen? I don't think it's a spoiler to know what happens at Waterloo, given the fact there's a train station named after it in the yeah. UK. Yeah. So there's, the, there's uh, a the spectacle song. of seeing it, which is engaging, but I've, I'm now two hours, two, two hours 15 in, yeah. and I've not got anything left. I don't think the film has got much left to, to tell me. There is a couple of... Uh, <laughs> Really nerdily, though. there is a couple of military manoeuvres in in the Battle of Waterloo that I went oh, very clever. Of course, yeah, the, the, the dads who like do oh. the do the the sets with yeah. the battles—they are literally going to cream in their pants yeah. for those scenes. But um, the, I think the um, what I found slightly frustrating is that you have clearly historical significant char- uh, char- uh, figures mm. played by you know, Tahar Rahim's in this, which I love. Uh, uh, Rupert Everett, although he actually gets more, quite a lot of screen time, but yeah. like. Uh, characters such as Tarahim's character, but also um, Napoleon's brother, who's sort of brought in and brought out and is never really given a a, A dynamic. I'm still confused as to what his kind of role and relationship was. It also has a, a, talked about tone and talked about this kind of juvenile aspect. It bizarrely sometimes would then have like extreme gore, like just suddenly. And in a kind of way, which I find kind of a bit like cynical. I'm like, I was already invested in the battle. You didn't have to, blow a horse up to yeah it's to, very like gladiator troy of yes. like the, the naughty sort of swords and sandals post, post uh, saving private ryan yeah. of that is oh we put this gore in there for the, the real battle scene as it would have happened yeah. kind of thing I um, don't think it's sorry I would just say I don't no. think it's as silly as something as house of gucci I don't no. think it's it's not as it hasn't got a good enough script as something like the last duel so the no. last... The mean Elevator... So I think, Rid, in a way, Ridley Scott is kind of as good as the script he's working from. And The Last Duel, which had a really great structure with the Rashomon-style structure at the heart, mm. that was really compelling. You know, good battle scenes in that, very kind of gripping. Quite brave to tackle that subject in mm. a medieval setting. Absolutely. And repeat to repeat scenes in that way, which I... And I was genuinely interested to see the different perspective of those scenes in yeah. that film. Yeah, underrated. It's to really, to really last underrated. And, and, then, and then... And this is just kind of... Uh, yeah, it's, it's entertaining enough for a bit but it could be when i was explaining it to someone they said oh don't give me um any spoilers and i said "Well, really like it's not nothing that a quick read on wikipedia wouldn't spoil for you no and in fact you'll probably get more i enjoyed seeing that the battle in the middle the Uslitz one on the yeah. ice i there was something that was really cool to see napoleon at the peak of his military powers yeah. that that worked for me as a, as a battle scene and it was brilliant done but yeah, towards the end, I've got nothing left to do with it. And I think the film ends on a note that kind of feels like what you do as an audience member when you finish. If you've seen the film, you know, like the very last shot, mm. like just kind of, yeah. just sort of ends how with quite a say- pathetic whimper. And a bit, bit like that's how I feel getting up from my seat in a way. I'm going to say this in a vaguely, trying to vague, unspoilery way, but the film ends with a kind of Godfather part three <laughs> ending. <laughs> and I go, you're going to do the Godfather part three <laughs> <The> ending. <laughs> yeah. I was like, mm. and splat. Yeah. It's kind of the, how yeah, it ends on a splat. Yeah. And you just go, all right, that last half an hour, I was basically done 40 minutes ago, but I'm glad you got to finish off your story. And they come in and then they give you a postscript, which is like, this is why it was important. Yeah. This is why Napoleon was important. Yeah. Look at all the things. And, and I, again, I will say, I loved looking at the all the amazing houses in France. I loved mm-hmm. seeing the, the interiors of the ships, yes, the galleys, yeah. all beautiful, all really, it looked like they were really there. Maybe they weren't. But it says um, a lot that I was. Uh, you know, very quickly being like, oh yeah, I wonder where that's filmed. Oh yeah, that's filmed in London. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. filmed in Malta. I wasn't really yeah. invested. So um, it's it's fine. It could have, with the the scant level of detail that it actually gives, it really could afford to be shorter. However, I wouldn't say it dragged because no scenes are very long, but no. it, but I did get a bit, I was not get a bit boring. It did, did get a little bit. Dull. Do you think, because it's an Apple TV plus film that's getting a um, cinema release, do you think it lends itself more to being on in the background with a large glass well, of red, and your dad going, "Well, did you know that actually?" Uh, I don't know because really Scott has has, a, has has come out and said that there is a f- he wants to do a four hour cut for Apple no, TV Plus. No. Wait, 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 wait for Apple TV Plus when he goes on the streaming, right? And now he said that he's not allowed to talk about that because I <laughs> imagine that the head of Apple TV has said, <laughs> "You fucking fr- what?" <laughs> um, but I, I think there is something to say that if it's four hours on Apple TV, or well, maybe, but if it's more. Just bittiness about mm. thirty years of French history. Then I'm also, I mean, I'm aware of this now after that. But when I was watching it, I was like, "The French are going to hate this." <laughs> it's just real bored, in English, first broad of all. brush overview of history. <laughs> yeah, the totally. English thing is actually really interesting because, okay, thankfully we're past the era now of films where it's being set in France and people walk around talking, talking. like these. Everyone speaks in their actual. Yeah, so Joaquin, so Joaquin speaking in American, American accent, accent, Vanessa Kirby in British. But when you have a massive legion of French soldiers charging a legion of British soldiers. <laughs> I agree, and I the skirmish sure. is just full of people going, oh yeah, imagine, get, get off me, get off me. And look, James, I don't know my military uniforms from another no. one. I'm literally thinking, are those British soldiers who've just no, been I killed? No, I didn't know. Who's winning French French there? Yeah. And then, but then you'll get like the ambassador, the, um, sorry, the, uh, the 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 king of Austria, who turns up doing, you know, Austrian accent mm. and, and the vague sort of Russian was, accent. Like, there were two lines in German. Because I think it's also, again, that like um, Ridley really Scott, It's not really, he doesn't really care about the detail. He wants to deliver cinematic epic, yeah, He just cinema. goes, do whatever accent you want. We're going to shoot it. We're going to shoot it like this. It's going to mm. look really great. I really do see myself YouTubing the battle scenes in like four years. Oh, yeah. And being like, God, yeah, that's really good. Ten minutes. What, yeah. How well crafted. Look at all those horses. You could kind of do the battle cut, which the is bat- probably an cut. hour and 20 <laughs> yeah. of the whole film. The battle cut for the dads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> love it. You know, like, you just want to, like, put something in front of your dad to keep him entertained. You just do that. Yeah. And they would love it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, 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 despite being made by an industry heavyweight and yeah. looking like a heavyweight film, it is actually surprisingly lightweight. And as a as a series of features, it ticks a lot of boxes for a like very appealing film. Ridley Scott directed, starring Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. historical epic, Vanessa Kirby, great. But, but just b- not. buyer but. beware, this is quite lightweight. This yeah. is not, this is not. Well guys, as always, we'd love to hear what you guys think of Napoleon as well. If you have thoughts and you agree or disagree with us, send them in to hello at popkitchenpodcast.com and we will read them out on the show. Ooh, I do, I do, tip. I always when do. They did wo- the, when they, sorry, when the Musketeers became like a unit, when they yes, and around, they, they hold their oh, things that's out. Great. Brilliant, because really love that. Is that is really smart strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's if why we shot. won. And and then like the the execution of the shots to telegraph that from above, below perspective, horse running yeah. towards. Them. Like, yes, I totally understand where you are. I I, I do worry about the horses. <laughs> yeah. I know they're not really being hurt but do you know what also like, the first bit where like, he's charging and his horse gets blown up by a cannon <laughs> and I was like oh we're doing that and also with Marie Antoinette's head I was like okay yeah. I guess it's that kind of film I mean not, it's and, not very subtle and Napoleon like it? looking at Marie Antoinette's head slightly glaring giving this implied level of deep thought but that doesn't really come back if you want subtlety Napoleon it's pas possible Napoleon, Napoleon. There's that little scene that they cut short, I feel, when he does that, almost like a coup, and he marches up the stairs, and he's got all these people. He goes, should we vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that's a really powerful moment that I never really feel like got enough steam in there. Right, George, should we look at some of the emails that we get sent from the listeners? Absolutely. Let's see what the sirens have been saying this week. As always, guys, if you want to send an email to the show, as we said many times this episode, you can do by emailing hello at popkitchenpodcast.com. Just like Michel. Has with saying, Hi, James and George, Michal from Krakow, Poland here. Huge congrats for the recent 100th episode. Hi, Michal. Hey! Hi, Michal. First of all, just before you continue, mm. Michal, very great to have a listener from Poland. James and I both have Polish heritage. Yes. My granddad's name was actually Michal, and I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, otherwise it's really embarrassing. <laughs> but, uh, Dzień dobry, great to have a Polish listener. Um, I have finally caught up with all the episodes after going through your back catalogue over the last few months. And I must say that I really love your film discussions and that they often keep me sane while I do my silly corporate job. Nice. Those corporate jobs silly are silly, ones. aren't they? Thank you, Michael. Before I ask you a question, I want to share a cheesy, re- re- cheesy realisation I made. Some time ago, I realised that most of the films you review have one thing in common for me. They are all films that I've seen in the cinema with my boyfriend. The first film I saw in the cinema with him was No Time to Die, which mm. coincidentally was the first film you reviewed on the show. It was. Wow. I was taking it. That was Come our on, second was episode. We went to the cinema. Um, it, it, it rained. It was a sad day. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> um, Carl was there. That's right. We saw Jimmy Carl yeah. in the cafe. Yeah, yeah really weird. Um we have bonded strongly over our love for cinema, so revisiting all these movies added a nice emotional layer to listening to your podcast, which I am very grateful. I wanted to ask you a question regarding movies that are based on true events, especially ones that take on very recent events. Do you think that there should be a cool down period before real events could be portrayed on screen to give filmmakers mm. and the audience time to process them well and get good perspective? As a first Polish caller, correct me if I'm wrong, I will give two ex- examples of Polish films one great, one terrible. I will read these examples, then I think we'll go to the answering the question. Sure, yeah. The first one would be the most recent film from acclaimed director Agnieszka Holland. Hold well on. I think that's Agnieszka, yeah. yeah. Green Border, um, which came out this year. In the film, Holland covers events of the humanitarian crisis happening since 2021 on the Polish-Belarusian border, where as a result of Lukashenko's propaganda, hundreds of refugees from Middle Eastern countries were trying to enter Polish territory and seek asylum with the European Union. The film does a great job of showing different perspectives of the problem through stories of its central characters, a family of refugees, a group of activists, and a member of the border guard. Even containing scenes of graphic violence and suffering, it manages to depict these events with respect to the victims and of a crisis, and is huge and important lesson. And is a huge and important lesson in sympathy. I strongly recommend you give it a try, as it is both informative, as very well crafted, and contains the best acting talent. With my Ma- hang on a second, I think that's Maya Ostaszewska. I yeah. could be the best Polish actress in one of the leading roles. The worst execution of the topic, however, would be S- Smolensk. Directed by Anthony Kraush, um, that talks boy, <laughs> you're doing really well with all those Zs <laughs> and CH's in there. Uh, that talks about the tragedy of a plane where the Polish yes, I remember this actually, yeah, where the Polish president and ninety other people on board crashed in the Russian town of Smolensk. The film follows a fictional reporter leading an investigation regarding the disaster, who, with each encountered evidence uh, regarding disaster, encountering evidence, which becomes sure that the crash was not an accident but in fact an assassination. Okay. Mm. the problem of the film is that it does not even try to show various perspectives and cynically indulges in conspiracy theories and propaganda poor plot choices and terrible acting turned the film that was supposed to honour the victims of the tragedy into a meme Mm. so what do you think can you think of a movie that depicts recent events successfully or fails to do so we'd be very happy to hear your opinions on the pod sorry for the long email and probably a few grammatical mistakes no actually I think you've written that very well Um, thank you so much for all the content you're creating keep up the good work and then signs off with hold on want to get this right oh my god i think it's uh <laughs> no, Sudezni pozdraviam sadezhny pozdraviam Michal. sent from one, sent of, from the one of the pigeons from krakow's main square have you been to krakow no i've been to, to krakow three times i love it it's a yeah, really great I'd really, place. Like really friendly people just love that on that question mm. though, James, thank by the way thank you for flagging to films from poland you know we'd love to hear from films outside of our normal read totally. so that's great um uh, about films that have been released too soon. I think ultimately you can't put like an you know an embargo on art mm. and say you're not allowed to tell the story for this amount of time. But there is something to be said about the <laughs> the rapid rate at which some things are immediately mm. you know put into put into film like you know the. <laughs> The Hugh, the Hugh Grant Boris Johnson um, no, sorry the Kenneth Branagh Boris yes. Johnson thing from recently is one where I was like this is too too far away but then similarly not that this is the same amount of time but we, we watched 13 lives earlier mm. and I thought that was a really well done uh, telling of yeah. that story that felt really respectful again it's, it's quite a few years before but I, I don't know how you would um... I think when it comes down to it, in a way it's how people the, the first thing is, is it's how people feel about the event itself every event is different exactly and how people and also the execution so with yeah. 13 lives yes everyone knew the story but the way it was the detail with which the and the focus of, i had no idea yes, about exactly. how how long that tunnel was so and justified how its it was. existence yeah but you're you're right but with the 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 Boris Johnson COVID series, which came and went, didn't it? Like, yeah. like, I think you're the only person I knew who saw it and talked about it. And also that Benedict Cumberbatch Brexit, Dominic Cummings. Oh thing no, but actually, well, I get close. to that, because so I, I saw thought that. it was good, but yeah. still, it's very close. But the but the, the the thing with the COVID thing is just that COVID was such a huge thing, and by the sounds of with that off, didn't really offer any other insight other than capitalising in a way on the kind of the misery and the misery and the prom- the pre- the the prominence of covid in our minds mm. again with the, the brexit film with Ben cumberbatch that did seem a little bit like sleazy and trying to again oh here's a massive thing that's a cultural c- cultural debate in the country mm. right now let's make a thing about it but actually what that film did do was uncover all about the you know cambridge Analytical Cambridge journalist yeah, yeah. dominic cummings so that was interesting um it's also interesting recording this at the time or well, answering this question at the time that the crown season six has come on yeah because although the events in the crown season six to do with diana 25 30 years ago you are everyone's relationship, and culturally, the relationship with those events are very, very emotionally volatile. Mm. People have very strong opinions. That's Twenty about plus that. years well, ago, exactly. So it's it's a huge amount. Of, it's, it's enough time to make something about it. That's but also but the, it's ex- the, the 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 rawness and the it, it's the sensitivity around that is still very, very strong. And the execution of the crown in particular is very dramatic, mm. very elevated, very. Sincere, mm. and so when something is more matter of fact, it's not as held to this great regard. Whereas seasons one or two of the Crown, mm. very dramatic, but because yeah, you know, seventy young, years ago, yeah. it doesn't matter that we're seeing these arguments, and I don't, I don't really criticise the things that are said because what would I know? And it works for that. But and the closer this, you bring yeah. it to time, I'm like, well, so well these a anyway. lot of these characters, people are still alive. Yes, totally. Yeah. And with the, um, I was just thinking also like with with nine eleven, with like United ninety three, that film came out ten yeah. years after. uh No, I'm sorry, what no, it, it? did about less than probably about seven. Or so. I, I think, think it came out. I think United 93 came out in. Oh, have no. you seen it? Yeah, came out in 2009, 2006. Okay. Wow, really? Yeah, 2006. So that's an interesting. One. So United 93 came out five years. Oh, are you thinking about World Trade Center no, no. with Nicolas Cage? No, but they're both they're both the 9/11 films that came out. In, I remember it now. Both 9/11 films that came out five years after the fact. I haven't seen World Trade Center, but I remember. But the thing about <coughs> United 93 that works is that it is focused on one specific story mm. from that day and does it in a very detailed, you know... World respect, Trade Center respect. simile is the same in that yeah. sense, yeah. Just so not trying to capture the whole thing. And it's like... Um, I, 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 I haven't seen World Trade Center, but... Well, 1993 uh, is a really it's powerful, yeah, but, powerful. you know, it's a powerful watch. Very good question, Michael. I really appreciate that email. This next one is from Jamie, who writes into the show with uh, "Hello, James and George." Jamie here, a twenty-four-year-old student from the Lake District in Cumbria, but Hello. studying in Manchester. I am a, in all caps, huge fan of the show and have been an avid follower for over a year now. And finally managed to binge all of the back catalogue of episodes this summer as I returned home from uni. Absolutely. The episodes energy. helped me to keep my sanity as I worked night shifts at my local Sainsbury's. A bit like how Michael said, keeping the sanity. The sanity. Are we? Are we? What would we? What would happen if we you guys there? are on the edge? We the yeah, We were right on the edge and yeah. I, like, I need some pub kitchen to calm me down <laughs> Guys everyone be chill out there, everything's okay My girlfriend Amelia and I both share a love for film and TV And so I introduced her to the pod And got her hooked on the show too And now we eagerly look forward to Wednesdays for a new upload Of which we always watch in bed with snacks And an essential cup of tea Oh, hello. That's amazing. Bed. Hey, enjoy the bed. Hope that cup of tea's nice. Do we dip our biscuits in the tea? I hope so. Of course. That's yeah. really cute. I love hey that. Guys. Hello. Oh, snuggly. I feel like we should get, like, get all cosy now. We should do a bed episode, like in bed with mics. That'd be weird. No, but <laughs> this falls out. You could, could. you could, You could do the whole... The whole bed thing like a an informal of- an informal show a new show oh you've just inspired us watch this, watch this space my question to you guys is are there any personal favorite scenes of yours in films that already have well-known and established great scenes that aren't recognized widely as great scenes from those films in other words underrated scenes in films that have other well-known and well-regarded scenes <laughs> got it so a really good film with a really, really good scene, scene that it. a lot of people don't necessarily comment on being a good scene for example, for me, Saving Private Ryan, 1998, is well known for its opening Omaha Beach scene and Wade, the medic's death scene, to Dame Just Two. These scenes are well known. However, for me, my favourite scene from this film is the scene where the main group of soldiers are in dispute about abandoning the mission, and Tom Hanks' as Captain Miller goes on to give his monologue that reveals his background oh, back yeah. home and his life as a teacher to the soldiers who had been, wa- had been wagering about his occupation back home. The scene then ends with the line, just, so every man, just know that every man I kill, the further away from home I feel. Right. This scene always stood out to me every time I watched it. it sets apart, it's set apart from all the violence and noise of the rest of the film and really focuses in on the characters. It's almost as if the film stops and everything around them pauses as they have this interaction where nothing else matters but what Captain Miller has to say. The monologue reveals the humanity, vulnerability, and reality of all men, even those deemed to be fearless leaders. It's an incredible, heartfelt, and powerful scene. and remains one of my personal favorite scenes and monologues in the film. Mm. Do you guys have anything similar? Also, controversial opinion, courtesy of my girlfriend Amelia. Kangaroo Jack, 2000. 2000- 2003 is a comedic masterpiece she would love to hear you discuss wow i haven't heard that <laughs> J- i know of the film um finally just want to say big congratulations on 100 episodes thanks for all the laughs great film and tea debates and discussions here's to many more episodes all the best jamie and amelia brackets sirens on our end Sir so george Kangaroo Jack. Never seen it. i know, the, I, know the, it. I remember seeing the adverts on TV. I remember seeing the video in Blockbuster. Never seen it. I imagine there's a CG kangaroo in there which can't have aged well. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. But do you know what, Amelia? I if you say it's a comedic masterpiece... I'm happy to believe you, but great scenes in movies that already have great scenes. Mm. So you said about Saving Private Ryan. I agree. I also I flagged this a few weeks ago. But the scene where the mum is it's dialogueless, but she's washing up. It's it's Ryan's mother, and he, yeah. she sees the car coming, and she knows that. Oh, it's so powerful. I'm trying to think of like when we did that episode last year about great scenes in movies. So for example, we did. Um, I said, I said that, that scene in No Country for Old Men. The, mm. the gas station scene. So now, now I'm trying to think, okay, what are the other good scenes in that movie? I've always liked that at the end, when uh, Anton Chigurh, you know, Javier Bardem's character, sits down and meets, catches up with Kelly McDonald, and she sort of doesn't give him the kind of satisfaction that he's expecting. Because mm. it compares with the Woody Harrelson scene earlier, where Woody Harrison scene like, you don't have to do this. And he's mm. like, why does everyone say that? You don't have to do this. <laughs> But with Kelly McDonald, she kind of like I can't remember the exact dialogue, but like puts him in his place and says like No, no, you need it. And even though we don't see what happens in the scene, although what's great is that the following moment we see him walk out the house, and we don't know what's happened, but he just checks his boots underneath, which just tells you all you need to know. Um, but it's it's great. It's the one kind of like moment of weakness you see from him in the whole film. It's the one time you see him kind of. Get caught out. Um, Help me, James. Other great scenes. One that comes to mind for me, it is a film with multiple iconic great scenes. Is the Matrix One, right, filled with them? But one of my favourite scenes in the Matrix One is when Morpheus is captured and Agent Smith is trying to get hack inside Mm. his brain, and he has this moment where Hugo Weaving delivers any line of dialogue brilliantly. But he takes his earpiece out and he says, "I'm going to be quite honest with you. This place, (laughs) this zoo." this reality and it's what's incredible is you realize that the agents or specifically agent smith are way more interesting as villains than just brute mm. anti-antivirus software he is like real he is sentient mm. and he realizes what he's living in and he's desperate to get out and that makes the character of agent smith and the dynamic between them and the agent so much more interesting because if you didn't have that scene smith isn't interesting but because he's aware of the dynamic that becomes so much more interesting to me and i always thought the delivery of that line was just brilliant. Mm. And he like he like unplugs himself so no one else can hear him. Yeah. It's like, what? He's a he's a sentient thing. Brilliant. Uh, I've talked about the Truman show before about how Ooh, I yeah. loved the scene with the bus in the center mm. where Truman realizes that something's not right, but I also just love the scene at the end where spoilers, um, he hits the wall with the boat and brilliant. he's just hitting it with his hand. He just does even touch on the edge understand. of knowledge. Yeah. He's like, it's like this very primal reaction doesn't mm. understand his, his this this the reality uh stopping That's voice of ed harris like speaking to him mm. through the sound as like a voice of god an all-knowing mother yeah it's really quite it's really deeply unsettling when you think about from truman's perspective what that would be like that's all you've ever known i'm trying to think of what i used to what any films that i've sat down and cherry picked out the scenes yeah from. um Jamie, we we can't think. It's really hard to think of. The, of really, I've got loads of really great film scenes that everyone knows about, but it's thinking of the second best one. The second one. best one. <laughs> it's, it's really, really hard. hard. We've given you a couple. Yeah, we also have an episode which I'm sure you've listened to of great uh, some of our favourite scenes. Yes. Which we should really do another one of because I, I'd love to prepare five Absolutely. five each and come to come this, make a good episode about it. For those who want to head off to that episode if they haven't listened to it, which because maybe they're a new listener who haven't mm. you know uh, gone back. That episode was episode twenty five. It was episode twenty five that was the. It was called films that have one great scene. One great good films that have one great scene. This next email is from Oliver, who says, "Dear James and George, I've been listening to you since the early days, and while I used to listen to a lot of film podcasts, pulp kitchen is now my primary source of film nourishment. I love that we're like top of his food chain. I like that. There's carbs, protein, pulp kitchen at the top. Don't start your day without (laughs) it. Without it. it." Thank you so much for hosting such a wonderful uh, pub quiz night. Yes, Oliver, I remember you. Yes, we remember you, Oliver, of course. My girlfriend's sister, and I thoroughly enjoyed Reiki racking our brains as we carefully listened to, your, to production studio music. Mm-hmm. Superb idea, by the way. And while we could see the poster for Bo is Afray in our mind, for the life of us, we couldn't bring the title into focus. Mm. The whole evening was much needed and relief during a particularly stressful week at work, and it was absolutely yeah. thrilling to meet you both in person. A very funny night surrounded by fellow thil- film enthusiasts. Listening to episode 101, I was reassured to hear I wasn't the only one who freaked out when you came over to say hello and you knew my name. Given the large following you have on social media, I was genuinely shocked you recognised me, but absolutely delighted. Needless to say, I became a little tongue-tied in the moment, but you were both charming, <laughs> incredibly lovely, and superb hosts. Even, I may, even if I may have come across as a bubbling mess. Oliver, you were lovely. I you think Oliver, all. I, I, multiple things. You, you had booked tickets, and I see the names on the list, which I'd printed out, so I'm like, oh, that person. And I've also seen you on Instagram giving us love. Yes. So that's why I knew I was like, yes, you must be Oliver, and then your last name. Because <laughs> so you're you're doing doing you were doing what everyone out. else was doing, what yeah. everyone should be doing, which is liking subscribing sharing all that kind oliver, of stuff we know you we see you thanks thank for listening you. on the whole the quiz rekindled my need to see a wider range of films which brings me to my question which streaming platforms mm. do you think supply the best array of films i already have for, have a few netflix disney plus amazon apple and now but i'm tempted to explore something like movie which seems mm. to cater for the more niche and independent films well done on surpassing 100 episodes here's to many more sirens on our end thank you oliver James, which streaming platform do you think provides the best... So you said the best array array of films. films. Array. So are we talking about selection, quantity, back catalogue, originals? I think the whole package. The whole package right now. In terms of movies. In terms of movies. Well, (laughs) this is the thing. Like, (laughs) Apple has... You can buy a la carte all the movies, right? But But I don't really count that as being provided as part of Apple TV Plus. The only free ones to watch are the Apple TV originals. I think of all of them, Apple TV Plus to me is leaning towards. It was attempting to be a more prestigious, high-quality content band. They all look very premium. They all look like they're bringing in the best. There's a lot of money being spent on the best talent around. But I can't say that all of them capture the public sentiment like I think Netflix has the ability to do. When a Netflix show really hits, it's all everyone's talking about. Mm. But for every one of those, I think there are 15 shows come and go that you've just never heard of come and go and like something your mum's mate watches and you'll just never hear from them so netflix's approach is clearly clearly make as many things for as many people and hope something sticks but in the meantime you create a lot of shovelware Mm -hmm. Um, i can't say that amazon impresses me that much with this with their suite so i actually haven't because of of all the apps we've got, you've mentioned here, all the stream platforms, the UX of Amazon is the worst. We've totally. always known that. And I, I have to say that has severely impeded how not much I go for onto Not good for discovering it. films No, at not, all. not at all. So I actually haven't gone on Amazon to look for films for a very long time. Yeah. While I'm talking about that, I will say that BBC iPlayer has increased the amount of films they have on selection. Yeah. And I recommend that if you're having a night in and you're trying to go in through each e- platform, in the UK, of course, trying to find... You'll be surprised. Don't surprised. forget to look at BBC iPlayer because they've got a lot of stuff there. For me, Amazon, I'll go, oh, I'd quite like to watch this film. I wonder if it's included with Prime. Yes. And I will check Amazon first to see if I can watch it in a good quality for free. Exactly. And then I usually don't bother. Um, I actually have to say that I think just by product of it being the largest entertainment conglomerate on the planet, that Disney Plus is a fairly solid bet. And for a library. For a library, because on the one hand, you have new stuff if you want to see the big the big, you know, blockbusters. Yeah. But... They have Star, which is their package of part of Disney Plus, which yeah. uh, which offers a huge amount of back catalog, not even all Disney films either. They, obviously, they have the entire Disney back catalog, which yeah. is a lot, but they have a good selection of films on there that uh, just from the ages that are you know uh, handy to watch. And they have also because Disney now owns Hulu, you get nice, interesting Hulu product projects coming on yeah. there as well. So um, and Fox Searchlight, they they now own that, which is just now called Searchlight, I think, because Disney bought Fox. So. Right. Yeah. So together as a package, Disney Plus actually is fairly good. But what I would say, if you're if you're unsure, try and balance. Because I've also mm. got Mubi as well. And yes, Mubi is a little bit harder to kind of um, crack open on a Friday night. But yeah, if you right. have some time in your diary, or you're, you're in an appetite to see something a little bit stronger, a little bit better, of mm. anatomy of a full-like quality, mm. Mubi's going to be it. So I'd say balance it. Have a Disney and a Mubi kind of thing. be a five player, sorry, as well. Yeah, sure. Oliver's also included Now, which is technically Sky, which is technically HBO. Well... More than HBO because Sky Atlantic is just a, a, a HBO. That's included with Now TV. Yeah, so Now so includes that, inclu- that, but also movies as well. So yeah, there's. So now, like, quite quite a good old package to have. Um, I like have Sky Go on my dad's Sky Go account mm-hmm. on my PlayStation, which gets me access to Sky Sports and like the odd mm-hmm. HBO show, which I'm really appreciative of. And if I didn't have that, I think I would be like, oh god, I really want to watch that. Mm-hmm. I would say session. that we are getting up to the point there where people are really totting up which ones to cut. Yeah, because they're getting expensive. And, yeah. um it's if all of these are now 16.99, or we'll get to that point. It's a lot of money to spend on content. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, Oliver. Also, but- I, I do think Netflix has a good uh, suite of films. If you go onto the yes. film section, yes. you, whether you go like trending now, or you, they do like the critically acclaimed and new, there's mm. usually something there that you can go like, oh, okay, there's loads of great films there. The benefit of something like movie as well is that it's just film. It's not TV yeah it's it's and it's research and it's specific, and you will see stuff you you, you mentioned here Oliver about trying to spread your wings and taste a little you know mm. wider range of things and also disney has an interesting ux where it's like it has the five main banners of like star wars marvel yeah. disney pixar thing and you're like oh what do i where am i where am i putting yeah. myself right now and it does have those different I think like, tabs people forget because they what star no one knows what star no, is. Yeah. but if you click on star it's got the stuff in there anyway oliver thank you for your email lovely to hear from you those were our answers This last one is from Helen, who writes in and says, Hello, I just got round to listening to your episode about The Bear Season 2. I pretty much agree with everything you said, but I had a question. Guys, George reviewed The Bear Season 2 fairly recently. as a bonus episode. Do you think there is enough comedy in The Bear to justify it running as a comedy at the Emmys? I personally feel a little weird that a show where I almost chuckled once or twice an episode could run away with best comedy in front of something like Ted Lasso or Abbott Elementary that is also, that's almost pure comedy. Yeah, I, 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 this has been a conversation for a long time. Mm. It happens. It always happens at the Emmys and the Golden Globes where it's like, that's a comedy? Like, that's a comedy? Is that a thing? But um, the bear does fall into that trap, and I mentioned this, where it's like, structurally, and in its DNA, it's a comedy. Mm. I'm not saying it's trying to be a comedy. I, w- I would have always described it as a drama, absolutely. Yeah. But with its half an hour, predominantly half an hour episodes, its whole premise you know family based kind of side characters whole structure seems very comedy dna but i do agree i would have described it as a drama i'm sure there is some very boring technical argument reason box to tick when you submit the emmy form mm. which is like standard drama uh per, you know are, are this long and standard comedies are this long and so. you want to go and you want to buy as many tickets to that award raffle sign me up for all the categories so i don't know yeah so if it's in as a comedy it probably has more of a chance of winning because it seems more prestigious but we, we had 48 seconds without dialogue could we be best silent film yeah <laughs> Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. Those are all the emails we've got sent today. We are now going to move on to the games. But if you wanted to send us an email, you can do, as always, by emailing into say it with me, guys. Hello at, at pocketjumpodcast.com. Welcome to the game section of this episode, where I will be giving you some games this week. Love it. It's are so you it Yes. <laughs> For a fee, £3,000. Are you ready? No. I wish. James. I'm going to give you two, name seven in 30. Okay. And then I'm also going to give you a cast as countdown. Okay? okay. Okay. Are you ready, James? Everyone, uh, if you're familiar with this game, you should know that I'm going to tell ask James to name seven somethings and he has 30 seconds to do it. Let me get my stopwatch ready. Okay. I'm going to go in with the hard one, I think. Okay. James, mm-hmm. in 30 seconds, name for me seven A24 movies. Go. Oh, Bo's Afraid, Midsummer, Predatory uh saltburn is it not not sure i think it is okay. uh 824 let's go ladybird Yep. let's go mm, god it's really hard to think about exactly what's 824 um Oh, Ten recent, seconds. What's it? Recent A twenty four would be big one. Oh, I think it was Ari Aster. Uh, Five seconds. Uh, is it the the Witch? Yes, A twenty four. And I'm going to go for all of them. Lighthouse. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. just in time. The lighthouse. You Ooh. could have also said, God, of God, course, hard. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, We're, true. Won the Oscar for that. Um, I believe also the Whale. Um, yeah. Many many stuff. Oh, yeah, just the Witch, the Lighthouse, the Northman. Yeah, yeah. Robert Eggers, Ari Aster quirkies exactly you did it yeah Uh, you you played it safe with your three 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 yeah but that's the most recent one i'd seen that was an a24 but we got there okay all right your second question james Mm -hmm. in 30 seconds okay um, james in 30 seconds name seven movie musicals go uh greece mary poppins sound of music um uh cabaret Mm. Um, movie musicals. We have also got Les Mis. Mm-hmm. We've also got um, Cats. Yes. And we have got movie musicals. I'm going to go Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Uh, that, that and Mary Poppins, I don't count as musicals because they are musical films. They're not based on existing stage musicals. So you have seven seconds to give you two more answers. <laughs> <laughs> That's over. Where you so have well. <laughs> forgotten uh, Chicago. Chicago. And Chicago. of course... I mean, um, in the Heights. Although well, that's a the musical hu- film. I think that's a musical film. It's not the same as a musical. You know what yeah, I'm saying? That's yeah. a musical. Dream, Dream Girls. charity. Dream, Dream Girls. Girls. Yeah. No, I think Dream Girls was a film first. Was it? J- I think so. Uh, Hairspray. J- Jersey Boys. Hairspray. Hairspray. Uh, Jersey Boys, well done. Yeah. Jersey Boys was a film. Um, no one remembers the film with Jersey Boys. No, but it came out. But you see it? my point. It's like yeah. music. Yeah. West Side Story. That's a musical first. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. nice. We got there. Whew. Lovely. Great. Okay. And your last game, James, is a traditional old cast list countdown. Get it in. As everyone knows, mm-hmm. I'm going to read out the cast list for a movie. James has to guess what movie this is before I get to the end. James, are you ready? Yes, let's do it. Lots of people in this who've been in lots of things. Great, can't wait. <laughs> let's play cast list countdown. James, can you name the movie from in this? James, can you name the movie from this cast? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Rose Byrne, Catherine Hahn. Brightman? Dax Shepherd, Ben Schwartz, Timothy Oliphant, Connie Britton, oh God. Corey Stoll, Adam Driver, Jane Fonda, Tina Fay and lastly Jason Bateman. Do you have any idea? Jason Bateman. It's not like game night or something. No, Jason Bateman, Timothée. No, I don't think I have it. Go on. That is the 2014 movie. This is where I leave you. Oh, yeah, which I've seen and is okay. Yeah, it's a sort of forgotten comedy from the 2010s. It's not great. It's not amazing, but. Good cast, yeah, great. You cast, know, a lot cast. of names in there. Feel for that you, cast. You, you, you about, were you about to ask if we've done that one before? I think so. did we did we bring it up? Whatever. <laughs> hey, I'm all for sustainability, <laughs> and that was recycling. You have, but if you did, it didn't help you, did it? No, not at it. all. Not at all. That um, was casters. That you know, never mind. That was casters countdown. That was casters countdown. Thank you very much for joining us for this episode 103 of Pulp Kitchen. Next week, we should hopefully have reviews of Saltburn mm. and May December, if not more. More? Don't, don't, more, don't forget again to look out for the bonus this week which is about Dream Scenario, the new Nick Cage film, and a good Nick Cage film not one of those crappy ones he puts out, like an mm-hmm. actual good one yeah. and uh, Anatomy of a Fall Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Pop Kitchen, we really appreciate you spending your time with us every single week Don't forget, we post new episodes of this show every single Wednesday And whether you're working a silly corporate job or listening to us with tea in bed, all uh, are welcome All are welcome, and please make sure that you like, subscribe, share, follow click heart, comment, laugh. We really appreciate all of that stuff on the social media if you're channels. you're listening in bed, you've got your laptop, phone, TV, yeah. likes, subscribe. Yeah, Just, yeah, come on. Go on that TikTok and be like, heart, heart, laugh, laugh, laugh. Instagram, yeah. love this. Add to my story. Love these guys. They're amazing. It the really helps us Big grow game. and yeah. it keeps us going. We love hearing from you. We really appreciate it. Have a great week, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next week.